You're listening to Resurrection Life Podcasts with your hosts, Father Steve Matson and Richard Budd, the podcast of the Church of the Resurrection in Lansing, Michigan. In today's episode, we talk with Liz O'Neill about some upcoming events for women in the parish. We hear a reflection on St. Augustine, and we hear a poem by John James, Grafting. Welcome to Resurrection Life Podcast. Welcome back to Resurrection Life Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Richard Budd, and with me is... As always, you as used always. to say, as always, uh, <laughs> Father Steve. And, you know, Father, uh, the church is often accused of uh, being too masculine, and so today we're we're bringing in a little bit of the feminine genius. That's so, right, and, and uh, to prove that we aren't just masculine. Exactly, right? and so uh, we also have with us today Liz O'Neill. Welcome, Liz. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, so today, if, uh, you know, we always record these ahead of time. So if all goes well, cross the fingers, this will come out on the, um, the holy day of All Saints. All Saints Day, exactly. And, uh, I'm probably going to completely butcher this. I think it was from GK Chesterton, but he said that the church's greatest theologians are the saints, uh, because it's in the saints that we see the, the church's life and her belief lived out in the way that it's supposed to be. And I was just listening to uh, something that Peter Kraft said about uh, comparing religions. And we can find strengths in different religions. But he argued, and he, he's not surely original in this, he said that uh, the real religion, the faith that has the most saints will win the most converts. Mm. And right, let's look at the people who are heroically virtuous and look at what their religious background is. That doesn't mean there aren't any outside of the Christian fold. There, there have sure. been heroic men and women of faith mm-hmm. in many different religious communities, and some who ostensibly have no religious faith at all, mm-hmm. but they're, they're responding to the light that is within them. But that sense of the saints and their witness, uh, and they're, they're praying for us too, thanks be to God. So we honor them. We'll have three Masses uh, on All Saints Day, so... 8.15 as usual, noon, and then uh, 6.30 p.m. on uh, Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, then tomorrow, uh, we'll celebrate All Souls Day, and we'll do the same thing. It'll be um, uh, 8.15, 12 noon, and 6 p.m. on Wednesday for All Souls. Because mm-hmm. our Wednesday evening Mass is now 6 p.m. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the reason that we invited Liz on today is because... Uh, as we move now towards the end of the year, we're going to have um, a, a few different events in, in Advent and into the end of the year um, that we wanted to talk about. And so, uh, Liz, what do we have coming up for our, right. our fellow yeah, And maybe we we'll just remind people, uh, and maybe you've said it, Rich, and I wasn't paying attention. So Liz is involved with overseeing our healing ministry. Uh, she works alongside Sean and the other uh, members of our healing team, but also uh, ministry to women. So just excited about the things that we've done and things that are upcoming for the women of the parish in a particular way. Right, okay. So so last year we were, um, last academic year, I guess, or um, I'm not sure if that's the right way to put it, but yeah, we, mm-hmm. we were able to do um, a number of events for women both in Advent and in Lent, and it gave us a sense for the the kind of appetite that is there for women to meet together 
and to pray and also to kind of share their lives. So we want to build on that. And then in Advent this year, the plan is that we have quite a few things lined up that we hope will actually, um, you know, be be available in different ways to different people. The first thing that we're going to do is we are going to use Sister Miriam's book, Behold, which is her 2022 uh, guided Advent journal from Ave Maria Press. And we will be meeting, Joanne, Joanne Hanley and myself will be meeting every uh, week and uh, in, in a daytime group to discuss uh, the book, which is a daily book with videos that we can watch. And more details about that will follow on the website. So that'll be a daytime group. But there will also be um, an evening event uh, round about December 15th, which we will again post on the website. Um, please look and see. It should be up by then, by by the time you're listening to this podcast. Um, the other thing... That's, I, that's what's kind of hard when right. we're doing this ahead of time. Yeah. So we say, right now we've been... In our, our last session, we talked about the beauty of fall, but now it's going to be <laughs> not so beautiful. I know. Uh, right? so, so we're anticipating uh, the, the change. Exactly. Of, of and today it's a gorgeous day. The sun is splitting the skies and we're trying to think about Christmas and Advent and everything. So it is a bit odd. However, we have a wonderful um, event planned for December 3rd for all the women of the parish. It's a Saturday, is that right? It's a Saturday morning after the 8.15 Mass till noon. And Debbie Herbeck of Renewal Ministries that many of us know and love is coming to give us a retreat. And the title of it is More Than Conquerors. And she's going to be talking about really um, expecting God to work in the lives of our families and asking him to give us hope again about all those things that we've kind of lost sight of and trusting and abandoning ourselves to him as women. So that retreat, December 3rd, just a Saturday morning, shouldn't be too much for people to take away from busy be weekends. Over Mercy Hall, right? Be in Mercy yeah. Hall and we will provide something to eat when you arrive. And I think I think you uh, you were thinking about for that December fifteenth evening, kind of a, a following up. So the the retreat will kind of set the tone. Perhaps people are reading through uh, Sister Miriam's book, Behold, yes. uh, on their own or part of the group that you're doing with Joanne Hanley. Uh-huh. Um, but then that fifteenth will be kind of a as we get closer to the, the more proximal celebration of the birth. All that busyness be a good time to to. Uh, take another spiritual check, how are we doing, and yeah. getting ready for the, the great busyness, but also hopefully prayerfulness of the celebration of the birth of Christ. Right, because, you know, it's often said that women are the ones that set the tone for um, family celebrations and also the kind of feeling that you get um, when you're heading towards a big feast and a big holiday. And it, that that setting the tone is is exhausting if you're not drawing some strength mm. from the the true meaning of the season. So we want to really support our women in keeping their eyes on um, the gospel and on on the crib rather than on the usual materialism that just takes hold round about this time. There's an analogy from 
uh, a really great spiritual book called the the uh, soul of the apostolate that um the writer uh, i'm blanking on the author's name right now but he says that we want to do our work as channels rather than as reservoirs we want to be able to i'm sorry it's the other way around <laughs> not as channels but as reservoirs we want to be able to give out of being filled and and overflowing uh rather than always giving everything that you're um you're receiving you you've got to be able to kind of um, be filled up and then give out of that otherwise you never have anything for yourself and you never what you end up giving is is only coming from you rather than from the lord you know and um you know women are often the heart of the home if the husband's the head the woman's the heart and uh when we're in these times of of uh of spiritual uh, importance uh, like Christmas to be able to overcome that uh, commercialization and be able to focus on actually what is this season all about we need to be rooted in in what God's that's doing right. I think that's right and and actually women are really uniquely um, gifted in that uh, ability to draw that strength mm-hmm. out and to to make things happen it's just lovely when you talk with people about their childhood memories of Christmas they often we always did this or we always did that and you speak to the parents and they say oh we did that twice but it's been a wonderful memory well and I, I think you know in the spirit of uh, the, the the book that that rich you just mentioned um, soul of the Apostle that Jean-Baptiste uh, Chatard um, the danger I think can be uh, that all of us can try to do everything, and perhaps especially faithful mothers wanting to be that uh, best mother or perfect mother who's doing all of these things. And, and I want to give you, my sisters, permission to do some things and do those regularly instead of trying to do everything where you begin to dread the seasons dread the celebrations because it's you having to do all of these things. So uh, one of the, the lessons I took from the, the book Soul of the, Apostolate, which, uh, Soul of the Apostolate, which came up in our recent uh, priest convocation, is the idea that our busyness needs to be uh, constrained by our prayerfulness. So to have the work that we're doing as you were saying, Rich, flow out of our prayer instead of trying to squeeze a little bit of time in for prayer. So uh, uh, setting aside time uh, to meet with others. That's the other thing that I'm so grateful that, that you're working with these mothers who I think the uh, being able to have someone to bounce ideas off of uh, and maybe talk a little bit about um, uh, what you've seen as fruits of those earlier discussions, either with the women in Lent or Advent last. Mm-hmm. So how have yeah. you seen it bearing fruit, Liz? Well, I think there's been a number of things that have come from it. And it was interesting to me that I think it was almost a year ago when I spoke on this podcast about asking women to, you know, answer a questionnaire or, or contact me with what they thought the needs were. And the responses that we got were divided between spiritual events and fellowship type events Mm -hmm. were required Mm -hmm. and I I honestly saw especially I think maybe at the retreat that the um, Dominican sisters of uh, Mary Mother of the Eucharist did in uh, 
Lent, I honestly saw women connecting with one another on a deeper level than is possible in so many other settings. Because, you know, women do get together naturally, you know, at family things and, you know, it's outside the school gate or whatever. But that ability to come together and share your heart and talk about the things that are most on your heart in terms of your faith and also your concerns. You could just sense in the room a feeling of being heard and not being alone. There's a tremendous thing, and I think this is for young mothers especially, that they express is a feeling of isolation. Mm -hmm. Because very often the home is so far away from where everything else is happening. You know, they say that through the centuries, the home used to be the centre of everything, including work. That at meal That's times, right. everyone yeah. came back to the home and um, everyone experienced that kind of, that as a centre. And as, as the centuries have gone on uh, through the sort of industrialization and I guess the technological uh, advances. The home has become increasingly a place of isolation out in the suburbs where women say goodbye if they're a stay-at-home mom or part-time. They say goodbye to everybody in the morning and they're left on their own. Uh, so that isolation is something we want to um, go against. And, and, I, and I, you know, to the extent that uh, virtual communication, the social media, etc., give some outlets, uh, I think it is really important to be in the presence of the person. Right. Mm -hmm. Zoom had its place, but it's not like sitting with someone and being able to read the nonverbals to, to sense from the other. And so I think the difficulty of pulling time away on December 3rd or December 15th or for the study of Behold, uh, I want to encourage you, my sisters, to and my brothers, to help your wives, uh, those who are married, uh, find time to be able to uh, have that fellowship that is so vital and, and right. fundamental to our life in Christ. Right, that's good. And especially for women who have children, they need someone else to commit to it. <laughs> you know, they need that's someone right. to say, okay, I'm going to watch the kids so you can do this. Yeah. This is not wasted time. Um, so that that that's great. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you bring up that our, our culture is, is almost based on isolating people from each other. I mean, even the technology that uh, we're developing, everything from uh, the cell phone to the earbuds to um, uh, to just the, um, the, the, um, the infrastructure of like, the automobile is all about being able to go further distances in a, in a shorter amount of time. Ever since the Industrial Revolution, there's been kind of this gradual, more and more isolation from each other. Um, I thought it was uh, an interesting thing that you brought up about that work had uh, traditionally been in the home. That was one of the things that we actually noticed during the pandemic was our family life was just m much more healthy because I was at home all day long. Right. And not only could I help, uh, you know, reinforce some discipline from time to time, but I wasn't spending as much time on the road commuting. So I was there for more time with the family. Um, and, and so there is this move towards isolation that I think we all feel. Uh, social media has not solved that. I think it's a, it just made it worse. 
And so um, it's important for us to to plan out and to actually engage in events that help us to be in communion with one another. Because that's who we were made to be. We're made in the image and likeness of God, who is a communion of persons. So if we're just isolated all the time, of course we're going to feel lonely and down and, right. and difficult. Yeah, and, and do you notice as well that thing about being present that you mentioned, Father? that there's something about the way we treat one another. I feel like we've noticed that there's a breakdown in common sort of manners and the way people speak to one another, you know, perhaps on social media or typically, you know, you see things, episodes of road rage where you think if this person was actually standing right next to this other person, they would never, you know, mm -hmm. speak to them in that way. There's a sort of permission that we give ourselves when we are not present to treat people in a shabby sort of fashion. Uh, there's something about being in someone's presence that you, you, you hold back because you realize you're with some other human being. Well, you can see the response. It, it, it's, it's not asynchronous. It's happening right now. So you don't put a little Twitter bomb mm -hmm. and then just watch it explode later. You have to see the effects of your words and uh, you know I, I i am worried about the uh the state of kind of civil discourse and yeah. it's eroded for sure and i think face to face is more likely uh, but increasingly people won't even talk with us and then right. we're still thinking about what we're talking about we're still in the run-up to the election and so let me encourage you to continue to talk, as we did at the last podcast, about Proposal 3 and uh, talk to your friends and family members uh, about the extreme elements and the dangers of Proposal 3 so that we can get as many people out there as possible to vote no on that. I uh, just want to give that mm -hmm. final plug as we're... Yeah. And continue to pray, of course. Mm -hmm. And in the, in the incarnation, Christmas is all, of, I mean, Emmanuel means God is with us. That's right. And so one of the, the, the most important points about, about the message of, of what Christmas is about is the fact that, that we're not alone. And so we need to not only be called to mind the fact that God is with us, even when we feel that are most isolated, but that that's also a call to be going out and being with others as well. So. And, and uh, just as I'm putting a bunch of different pieces together, right, Jesus uh, was born in a stable, right, because there was no room for them at the inn. And we've got young girls and women who feel like they have no option uh, but to abort, and they're getting pressured uh, so to do. So for us, as the church has always done to promote options, adoption, support for unwed mothers, for those who are expecting. We need to lead in that and more and more and not just denounce the extreme elements of Proposal 3, but say, no, we're not just caring about the child till birth. Mm -hmm. We care about the mm -hmm. whole person from conception to natural death. And uh, so... Jesus lived that entire life mm -hmm. from conception at the Annunciation to his crucifixion, and he's living still. And we've got saints who are praying for us, hoping that we will be salt, light, and leaven in the world around us. 
So as we wrap up, Liz, is there any sort of final words you want to say to encourage our, our women to, to attend these events? Um, just to say that we will be focusing on uh, hope rather than on the bleakness of the situation. <laughs> that When I was talking to Debbie Herbeck about um, the re- retreat theme, I said, you know, there's this happening and that happening and we need to... And she said, we can simply acknowledge that there's a lot of bad news. Nobody needs us to go into what it exactly is. Yeah. And then we need to turn to Jesus. Um, so that's what we will be doing. What's, what's the name again of the of the presentation of the day? Uh, More Than Conquerors. More Than Conquerors. No, I, I, I do think that uh, we've been praying at the end of Mass... Uh, John 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Our job is to be the light in our world, beginning with ourselves and our families, our, our parish and then community. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to stop. Um, I encourage anybody that's uh, listening to, to register and come to these events. And uh, until next time, this is Rich. Liz. And it's Father Steve. And uh, may all the saints, uh, through their prayers, help us join them one day. God Amen. Bless. Amen. St. Augustine is famous for having led a dissolute life before his conversion and transformation into one of the most prominent and influential saints in our church's history. In the following reflection from Sean O'Neill, We evaluate what lessons can be drawn from the life of St. Augustine that can help us on our own path to holiness. St. Augustine St. Augustine was born in the year 354 at Tagast in Africa. He was brought up in the Christian faith but without receiving baptism. As a schoolboy, he demonstrated brilliant talents, but also violent passions, and unfortunately lost both his faith and his innocence early on. He persisted in his immoral life until he was 32 years old. He eventually ended up in Milan, teaching rhetoric. He tells us in his autobiography that he once again became attracted to the faith of his childhood, but that he could not as yet resolve to break the chains of his evil habits. One day, however, after being deeply moved by the account of some sudden conversions that his friends told him about, he cried out, The unlearned rise and storm heaven, and we with all our learning, for lack of heart, lie wallowing here. He then withdrew into the garden, where a long and terrible conflict ensued. At length, he heard the voice of a child come to him out of nowhere, saying, Take and read. He picked up the book he had with him, opened it at random, and read these words from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 13. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. His internal battle came to a sudden end and he resolved to become a Christian. 
He received baptism, returned home, and gave everything to the poor. At Hippo, where he settled, he was consecrated bishop in 395. For 35 years, he was the centre of ecclesiastical life in Africa and the church's greatest champion against heresy. He died in 430. St. Augustine is a reminder that the Christian life is not meant to be a regime of following moral rules only, but a relationship with a person. His profound statement of this truth is summed up in the words from his confession. Late have I loved you, beauty so ancient and so new. Late have I loved you. Lo, you were within, but I outside, seeking there for you. And upon the shapely things you have made I rushed headlong, I misshapen. You were with me, but I was not with you. They held me back far from you, those things which would have no being were they not in you. You called, shouted, broke through my deafness. You flared, blazed, banished my blindness. You lavished your fragrance. I gasped, and now I pant for you. I tasted you, and I hunger and thirst. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. Augustine calls God beauty, and it is because of his encounter with the beauty of God that Augustine was converted, not because of rational argument alone. Augustine was a highly intelligent man and was familiar with all of the arguments for and against Christianity. In fact, as a rhetorician, he had argued successfully and tirelessly against the heresy of Manichaeism, which denied the omnipotence of God. Augustine spent many years leading a hedonistic lifestyle. He boasted, along with his friends, of numerous sexual conquests and eventually kept a mistress for 15 years. He had many times felt the attraction of the Christian way of life, but simply couldn't give up his life of sin. It was Augustine who uttered that tortured and somewhat insincere prayer, Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. Augustine led a life of sexual licentiousness until he came under the influence of St. Ambrose, who was Bishop of Milan. Ambrose adopted Augustine as his spiritual son after his father died. For Augustine, this was like a homecoming. Right at the start of his autobiography, Augustine writes this prayer. Great are you, O Lord, and greatly to be praised. Great is your power, and of your wisdom there is no end. And man, being a part of your creation, desires to praise you. Man who bears about with him his mortality, the witness of his sin, even the witness that you resist the proud. Yet man, this part of your creation, desires to praise you. You move us to delight in praising you, for you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. This prayer acknowledges God's majesty and all-powerful wisdom and love. But it also reminds us that in this life we are all in search of fulfilment. God created us with this craving, 
And the only way of satisfying it is to give our lives to God and live for him. In the world we live in, it's difficult to find fulfillment only in God because there are so many other things that vie for our attention, so many other things that promise comfort, satisfaction and relief from pain. There's a reason why Christianity survived and in fact thrived under persecution. When the possibility of finding safety or the prospect of an easy life or the enticements of false comfort disappears, we are faced with the choice of either to curse the darkness or to find our hope in God. St. Augustine created difficult conditions for himself by giving away all his possessions to the poor and living the life of a monk, even though he was a bishop. He knew the dangers of living a hedonistic life in which every craving was catered for. So he actively set about eradicating from his life all those things that distracted him from loving God and his neighbour. Which leads us to ask some hard questions of ourselves. Are we too comfortable? Do we have a tendency to satisfy every whim through retail therapy, pornography, drink or food? Are we so well off that in effect we want for nothing? If we compare ourselves to the starving thousands in the third world, who is in a better position to live a Christian life? There is a reason why Christianity is so alive and active in the global south. Of course, we would need a good reason to curtail our pleasure-seeking ways. And that reason should be love of God. So some further questions to ask ourselves might be, how converted are we? Have we experienced that life-changing encounter with Jesus that the saints talk about? Is God first in our lives? St. Augustine, in common with all the saints, was consumed by this burning love of God. As time went on, his all-consuming desire became how he could best serve God faithfully, how he could love him above all other things, how he could share that love with other people. Do we have a similar ardent love for Jesus, our beloved Lord, or are we still dabbling in the world of contrary pleasures and attractions? Let's turn to God now and ask him, to give us the same zeal that St. Augustine demonstrated in his life. Jesus, you are the fulfilment of all our desires and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Reveal to us your love so that we can be empowered to love you back. Woo us, Lord, and draw us ever deeper into your heart of love. Help us to examine our lives and relinquish anything that takes us away from you. May you be our only source of life and love and help us to share that love with others through our words and actions so that in the end we may hear those words uttered to those who have remained faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. Finish this episode with a poem by John James, Grafting. 
Hi, I'm John James. Um, I'm going to read a poem today. Uh, this is a free verse poem, so sometimes I write free verse and sometimes I write formal poetry. I really just like the variety, so I write a little bit of everything. Um, if you don't know me, uh, I converted to the Roman Catholic faith from Protestantism. Uh, I, I was a Protestant all my life and joined the Catholic Church about five years ago now um, here at Resurrection. Uh, so this poem is a little bit about uh, my faith journey and my background as a Protestant who became Catholic. It's called Grafting. My thumb bleeds iron sap where I nicked it with the witch-sharp grafting knife. I've only six scions in my pocket. I just learned how to graft in a church friend's budding orchard. He taught me at a Michaelmas party after the fructose kids beat the devil with a wooden sword till candy rained from him like apple blossom petals. I'm a graft too cut from the tree of my kin, stuck into the ancient branches of that bloody old tree, gilded though its twigs now be. My friend who showed me how to graft is part of that rootstock, six kids and another yet to drop, and his brother and his dad and his dad's dad all still come to our same parish. When you graft, you cut off a healthy branch, find the tree's green veins, and stick in your blade. You have to make room for the scion, whittled to a sliver on its tip so its blood can mingle with the trees till the two become one woody flesh. It's been four years since I took the knife to that old tree on my dad's farm, since my blood met the sticky applewood sap. Only one of the six took, but its budding flesh-white flowers amidst the scars of violence I inflicted on it. In a month, these blossoms will fill the air like incense, and my cloister of bees will make them whole. The other apples on that tree are tart, hard, warty, only good for cider and pie. But that one branch I fed my blood will fruit sweet and red, devil's heads hanging from the tree as the winter starts to glance us with her daggered eyes, and I'll take a crimson bite. I'll share it with my kids and my dad too, and its white flesh and sugared juices will roll from our lips like prayers. hope you have enjoyed this episode of Resurrection Life Podcast. Please tune in next time for more conversation, reflections, and Catholic culture. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to drop us a line to give us feedback or suggest future topics to feature, write us at podcast at corelansing.org. You can find the Church of the Resurrection online at corelansing.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.